You have no idea how that ties in with my message, Aaron. God's got something. You know, isn't it cool when it says that young men will prophesy and that's what's happened tonight? And if that's you online, um, and I know there's some people online, they, they um, hello to everyone online, um, let us know, message us. Um, we'd love to pray for you. God is real. He's in this place. That was a message you could tell from, from the heart. So thank you. Um, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day can be a really tough day. And, and I put up a post for people who've lost babies, for people who have got estranged relationships or complex relationships, for people. It, it can just be tough. So if you're finding it tough in this place, know that you're loved. And if you're finding it tough online, know that you're loved. Um, Graham alluded to the fact that there's many types of, of mums. And one thing that I really love on Mother's Day, and it was no different this year, I got a few messages online from people saying, thank you for being my spiritual mum. So what I would like you to do, if you're online, if you've got a spiritual mum, someone who's nurtured you in the faith or prayed for you, it might even be a grandma, can you, let's honour them and put them in the chat and let us know who your spiritual mum is. So welcome. I've got two record drop moments before we, uh, mic drop, not record drop, record scratch, mic drop. And I nearly made James, I would love to have seen James when he got my message this afternoon. First mic drop moment, I'm sharing tonight without one slide, one photo, one anything. Yes, no photos of my grandson, my family, no nothing. It, that's, that's, I'm stretching myself. I'm preaching out of the actual book. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. The other mic drop moment is the title that God's given me to share tonight. Now, having heard what Aaron just said, don't stone me just yet because it ties in with exactly what Aaron said. But the title's a bit like, what? Okay, do you want another title? The title is, When God Sues Mothers. Hmm, have I got you thinking? Or you could say, When God Sues Women. Hmm, where am I heading with this? Or, let's make it personal, When God Sues Me. Now, of course, we're not talking about litigation, thank goodness. We're talking about an acronym. And tonight I want you to go home knowing that the God of the universe sees you. He sees you where you are. He wants to use you. He wants to empower you and he wants to send you. We're going to unpack that with four women from the Bible. And, you know, we're going to start with God sees you. I don't want a show of hands right now, but judging from Aaron's little chat, there's probably some of you, if I said to you, Right now, have a, have a look into your heart. Have a look into your life. Do you feel seen by Almighty God? Do you feel noticed? Do you feel seen in this place and in your family and community? Are you valued, appreciated and loved? Or are you feeling a bit isolated, a bit disconnected, a bit like misunderstood, a bit underappreciated, overwhelmed, undervalued? My prayer tonight is that you'll go home knowing that the God of the universe sees you and know how to respond to that. Um, 
We, well-being is the biggest buzzword at the moment, isn't it? We have well-being wheels, well-being budgets, well-being committees, of which I'm on some ripper well-being committees. And on the one I'm at at the high school, we're really trying to work in that proactive space. What can we do? And we're noticing that with all the, the anguish and anxiety and everything that's out, a lot of it is because of isolation. People more than ever are feeling isolated, lonely, disconnected, undervalued, underappreciated, not noticed. And that's leading to when you're isolated, guess what you do? You sit with your own thoughts. That negative self-talk starts, it screams, and then you become a bit self-focused, like it's all about me. Why didn't they do what I wanted? And it just spirals out of control. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus sees you. You are noticed by the king of the universe, by the creator of the universe. There's this, oh, look at me. I will tell you, though, I am doing cheat notes because I have really poor vision. This is the speech and drama teacher in me. I wrote it in really big letters. <laughs> so that's okay. That's just a cheat note so I don't have to, what did it say? Um, God sees you. There was a lady in the Bible who knew what it was like to be isolated. You know, we've had a pandemic for a few years. This lady had an issue for 12 years. Can you imagine being isolated for 12 years? Not only that, but she was considered unclean because she had an issue of blood. Ever been labelled? And when you were unclean, you had to be isolated from the rest of the community. So this woman has been labelled... She's been isolated from every positive influence in her life. What does she do? Well, she could have sat there with her negative self-talk. But in Mark 5, 21 to 34, you'll find the story. In verse 26, you know what it says? It says, she has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She'd actually gone to many doctors. She didn't sit on her butt. She was like, I've got this issue. Can you help me? You know what it says? It says she suffered a great deal at the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. It was costly. She spent all she had. And yet instead of getting better, she got worse. She's isolated. She's got this issue. And she's just getting worse. She's tried... She's knocked on this door and that didn't work and then that one and that one. And you say, well, Amanda, that's got nothing to do with modern society. Well, I want to propose it might. I want to propose that in our isolation, we don't have people that we can connect with to help us through the tough times. So you know what we do? We don't go to many doctors. We go to many websites. We go to Dr. Google. We go to all this stuff. We try to find our tribe online. Someone online can... And I'm not saying that's bad. Look, we've got a miniature pincer now. And I'm in some miniature pincer group to help me understand this crazy dog that we have. Danielle had COVID when she was um, final stages of pregnancy. She joined a COVID in pregnancy group to get information but you know what? You can get all that and it doesn't help you. Still didn't help Danielle when she delivered Zion. Only God did that. Only God could do that. And this woman, woman had gone to many, many doctors. And some of us have gone to many, many places, to websites and, and things like that. And do you know, you might say, yeah, but that's not costly. 
It's just my internet. I want to suggest something, something that we've noticed on our wellbeing team, that the more the mummies and daddies are on the internet getting all this information, the more the kiddies are disconnecting. They're disengaging into screens and books and sports and their bedrooms and gimmicks like fidgets and Rubik's cubes and they don't know how to communicate with people. They don't know how to connect. We're losing them. Why? Because we're disconnecting. You say, oh, this is pretty crazy. I actually was talking to a psychologist through the week. Don't quote me on this because we were just talking about all things like this and she said there's new research coming out that our brains are not meant to cope with the amount of information that we're getting. It's nothing to do with screens. It's information. It's stimulating only one part of our brain and our brain's meant to do all this other stuff and they're predicting that early onset dementia is going to peak very, very shortly because we're not meant to cope with this gush of information. So where's the hope in this? Where's the hope? Well, this woman in verse 27 said, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched him. She broke through what was socially acceptable and she reached out and she touched Jesus. And tonight, I don't know what your tough situation is. I don't know why you might be disconnecting or why you've disconnected or why you're feeling lonely or why it, it's all too hard. But I've got to tell you, the answer's not in the computer. The answer's in reaching out and touching Jesus because he sees you. He sees you. And not only does he see her, you know, the disciples are like, Jesus, there's this big crowd. How come you notice the one woman, the one he says, because she counts, I felt power go out of me. And do you know what he says to her in verse 34? He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. If you're in a mess tonight, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus is here, but you've got to reach out. You've got to push through. You've got to push through and say, Jesus, I, I want to be seen by you. I'm going to test you tonight and reach out and touch you going to do it. Jesus sees you. God sees you, but you must reach out and touch him. God uses you. All right, this one's a little bit weird. God uses you for your family. We're going to talk family now because like Aaron said, a lot of what we do, we think what we do for God and we get all our feel goodness and, and righteousness from that and it's not, it's family first family first. God transforms you for your family first. I want you to think of something, and please don't say any names in case one of them's me or Graham. I want you to think of the most vilest human being you can think of on planet earth. The most disgusting, horrible, sinful, antagonistic, oppositional to the faith person. I'm going to ask you a question. Once you've got that person in your mind, can God use that person? Now, some of the more holy of you might say, yes, but they've got to be baptised, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, and then God will use them. I want to give you a bit of a mind stretch. You're prepared to go on a journey with me. There's this lady. Situation is this. Children of Israel, Moses has just died. Joshua's about to take them into the promised land. There's a massive 
blockage in Canaan. It's a fortified city. It's Jericho. There's walls all around the city. And there's a prostitute. She has a name. Not many of the women in the Bible have they no, the other one, woman with the issue of blood. This one was Rahab. And Rahab lived in the wall as a prostitute. Now, children of Israel were camped on the east side. There's foothills on the west side. Joshua says to two spies, go in and check out Jericho. Now, I've got to tell you, in our church, if you want to be a spiritual leader, we have really strict guidelines. Accountability measures are on top of that. So for Graham and Simon, Joshua 2 verse 1, I can't imagine happening in our church. We're a very transparent, very accountable church. Do you want to know what Joshua 2 verse 1 says? Let's, instead of put spies, let's put Graham and Simon. And if Trisha's online, I wonder if she feels a bit weird about this like I do. It said they, the spies, but imagine if it was our two church leaders entered the house of a prostitute and stayed there. Whew. Now we're getting into things. They entered the house of a prostitute and stayed there. I would not like that. I just got to say that would not happen here. We have really strict accountability measures in our church. But this is what happened in Joshua. Now, Rahab talks to these two fellas and she says this stuff in verse 8. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all of us who live in this country are melting with fear. She took these two spies in and said, you know what? We get that God is with you. It's a prostitute saying that. And we're scared witless. We're melting with fear. And then she goes on and she says all the stuff that the children of Israel had done, that God had done through them, that these guys have been watching. She'd been watching. And she says in verse 11, when we heard of all of this stuff, all the stuff that God did through Moses, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed. Why? Because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. We have a prostitute who was watching the life of God's people and said, I think your God is actually real. Come on in. I'm going to look after you because I'm scared witless of you guys and I better, better to keep you on my side, you know. So then the king's men come and knock on the door and she goes and hides them up in the roof upstairs and she, she sends the king's men on a wild goose chase. She said they went that way through the city gates. Go east. And so while the king's men and all the king's horses are going up and down, not being able to put Humpty Dumpty together, she sent them out through the window into the foothills until it was safe. Do you know what she did before she sent the spies out though? God used her. Didn't matter who she was, God used her. Why? Family first. You know what she did? In verse 12, she said, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. She cut a deal. She cut a deal. So they said, you know what? The wall's going to fall. Anyone from your family, bring them in your house. See, if you love God, you obey his commands. There's always an act of obedience. If you want God to see you, you've got to reach out. If God was going to save her family, they had to get into the house. They had to obey and then who wouldn't want to see 
that day she throws this scarlet cord out the window so the children of Israel and God knew, we're in here, save us. It looked pretty bad. All the walls are crumbling down around them and guess what? Her family's saved. Why? Because she cut a deal. Why? Because she had faith in God. Now, did she stay like that? No, she didn't. You know what happened? She actually married a priest from the tribe of Judah and became the great, great times 29. She's the 30th ancestor of baby Jesus. A prostitute. A prostitute is Jesus' great, great grandmother. Get a hold of that. Now, I've got to tell you, before I, I just talk about this for a minute, I um, actually, no, I'll just, I have a car. My car has a rear vision mirror and a windscreen. My rear vision mirror is this big. My windscreen is this big. Do you know what? So many times I hear people say, Christians say, I'm a sinner. I'm addicted to this. i am got these thoughts. I'm angry. I'm this. And you know what? That's true. But because of what Aaron said, it's in our rear vision mirror. It's true. It's still there. But our windscreen is so much bigger. Rahab, when she, when she saved her family, she could have said, but I'm a prostitute. That's who I am. I identify with the rear vision mirror. Do you know what would happen if you tried to drive your car only through looking in the rear vision mirror? wouldn't end too well. And yet we live like that. She's this label. He's this label. No, that's in the past. Yes, you might have issues, but your future is bright. And if you keep living and labeling, I'm a prostitute, she'll still fall into that place. But she said, no, I'm going to join the Israelites. I'm going to join the tribe of Judah. I'm going to turn my life around for me and my family. Tonight, I don't know what's in your rear vision mirror but I do know what's in your future. And whatever your family's going through, it's not unredeemable. It is not unredeemable. We have to get a holy fire in our belly. If you're in a family that's disconnected, complicated, whatever, you know what? We've got to stop looking in our rear vision mirror and get a Rahab spirit and look in our windscreen and say, I am going to be a generational grandparent of a baby Jesus, of someone who's going to go and do good things. Maybe tonight you need to say, God, use me. How big's your butt? Oh, but I've got these thoughts. Oh, but I'm angry. Oh, but no. Put it in the rear vision mirror. Yes, it's true. Yes, that was who we are, but we're going somewhere. Would you look in the windscreen tonight? I've, I've got a really messy verse about Rahab and it's in Hebrews 11:31 for those of you who know that that's a a famous faith chapter it's listing all these people that did great things by faith and i started writing it in my big people handwriting and i put Hebrews 31 by faith Rahab because she welcomed the spies was and that was wrong that's not what the bible says at all Do you know what the bible says the bible says in Hebrews 11:31 by faith, the prostitute Rahab, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Can God use you? Absolutely. Don't give up. Don't put yourself in the rear vision mirror. God sees you tonight. 
He sees you, but you've got to reach out. You've got to reach past the problems and touch Jesus. God wants to use you tonight for your family first. Save your family first. Maybe you've given up on your family. It's too hard. It's too messy. You know, how, how are you going spiritually, physically, emotionally? What's the peace like in your house? What's the joy like in your house? You know, they're two good measures peace and joy how's that going in your house and if it's not going so well let's put our let's get our prayer pants on yeah prayer pants god uses you i can see someone gonna comment on that god wants to god sees you he wants to use you and he wants to empower you there was a time um in egypt they just got a new pharaoh and this new pharaoh didn't really understand about joseph he didn't know about joseph and all that and all he could see is like the hendersons these israelites are just popping out babies boom 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 and in his head in his head he's thinking i was actually concerned she's going to pop it out on stage tonight was anyone else thinking that with me yeah um, um i honor you jess for worship leading with this massive baby um but Pharaoh was looking at all these Israelites and the numbers were going up. And in his head, he's thinking, if, if there's civil unrest, they're going to outnumber us. So let's kill all the baby boys. So he calls all the Hebrew midwives and he says, I want you to kill all the baby boys. That'll stop them. Of course, the Hebrew midwives weren't going to do that. So <laughs> Pharaoh gets a bit cranky and he says, why are you letting them live? And they said, well, they just popped them out too quick. By the time they give us the phone call and we get there, it's already born. And so Pharaoh says, right, we'll drown all the boys in the river. Any baby boy born, we'll put them in the Nile. It's in the midst of this fearful time. I can't imagine being a mum in that time. When Zion was born, I said to Danielle, how can I not know this child and I love him so much? Can you imagine throwing a baby in the Nile River? She hid this little boy. And I can't even imagine hiding him up to three months. I, I, I can't do that. I, yeah, good on her. That would have been stressful enough. But you know what? Then she made a basket. And she made it waterproof and she put it in the Nile River, the very river that should have drowned him. And she said to her older daughter, Miriam, you're the first lifeguard. Go and take watch. I couldn't imagine the stress. You're hiding in the bushes and you're looking after your baby brother and then down comes the very daughter of Pharaoh and all her entourage. Remember, God sees you. He saw Miriam in the bushes. He used her for family. You know what he did? He gave her the courage in that space to come up to Pharaoh's daughter and say, would you like me to get someone to nurse him for you, to feed him? That took courage. She could, have, she could have ended up in the river. But of course, we all know the story. The Pharaoh's daughter called him Moses because he was pulled out of the water. Isn't that cool? The very water that should have drowned him. He got called the Egyptian name, Moses. But where I want to pick up is God empowers you. And um, in Exodus fifteen nineteen. We see the children of Israel had just crossed the Red Sea. What does Miriam do? I love this. Then Miriam the prophet 
Aaron's sister took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Why? Then Miriam sang to them, she sang to the women, she sang to the women, not to God, girls, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both the horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. She was empowered for the church. She had a job to do. She'd been learning. The, I've done a few timbrel courses and done all the little thingy thingies, and it's not easy. I'm sure that she'd been practicing. She had a leadership on her that all the women followed her, and then she led them in prophetic song. Man, God empowers you. Why for the church? We are a living body. If any part of my body is not connected and alive, it might as well be amputated and cut off. I don't have a gallbladder. I don't have an appendix. They're gone. They're no good to me because they weren't any use. Guys, we are empowered for the church. I'm going to ask you a tough question. What are you doing to serve in this place? Are you a consumer? What are you doing to serve in this place and some of you I know are on a journey I was talking to someone tonight um, and I'm so proud of them some people are saying I this is where I want to be I want to be like Miriam walking in my gifting but there's this stuff that's holding me back and I'm just learning all this stuff we will go on that journey with you we will walk you through that stuff and I heard a good news story tonight about someone on that journey and that I celebrate that I celebrate that but what are you doing? Some of you might be new to church and, and just working out how it all fits. Make sure you talk to Graham and Simon. If we're going to be effective, we're empowered, but we've got to be a body. Do you know what the Bible says? We've got to be planted in the house of the Lord. We can't just flit. have to be planted in the house of the Lord. What are you doing? What are you doing to bless the house? God sees you. God sees you. You might be broken. You might be in a really dodgy place. But tonight you can reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And he can heal you and transform your life for you. Why? So he can use you for your family. It doesn't matter how bad you are or how bad your family is. That's in your rear vision mirror. You've got a windscreen. You've got a windscreen ahead. I was going to say something on that. I'm preaching to myself here. I was saying to Brittany, Brittany often challenges me in my faith walk and um, in this next point it's, it's about sending you into the community and one of the ladies that um, I, I've got a, a group of people that I'm praying for to disciple them and God gave me this one person and I thought I'm never going to reach them they are way out of my league and in typical God style, he's set up a few lovely little conversations. And this person and myself, it seems like we are very similar pasts. And we've just got this heart connection that's starting to build. And, and I had this beautiful conversation with them through the week. And they were pouring their heart out to me. And they were sick. They were unwell. There was illness in their body. Do you think great big bold Amanda with, you know, the gift of healing said, I will pray for you? Nah. <laughs> you know what I could do? I could self-loathe and look at my rear vision mirror and say, oh, I've let God down. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so weak. I'm so this. I'm so that. Or I can say, you know what? 
there's still time. You know what I did this afternoon? Sent her an email. Said, hey, just wanted you to know, praying for you, believing for healing, believing it'll go away. There's always time. There's always time. God empowers you to use your gift for his church. And finally, God sends you. There's this, God's not just interested in us being a great church. Um, He wants us to impact a community for him. And there's this really lovely story, and it's in John 4. And it was about a woman who Jesus saw, when most other people despised. See, she was a Samaritan. He went out of his way to go into a place where he should never have probably been being a Jew and found her alone. He saw her. He saw her at a well, sitting there in the middle of the day because she'd burn all her bridges with people in the town. She couldn't come in the cool of the day. Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And there's, there's a few interesting things in this conversation and he uses her story. He uses what's in her rear vision mirror to empower her to see a future, to see a hope, to see I can be the living water and bring you life. Do you know what she does? She does in verse 28 of John 4. Yeah, John 4. She left her jar, which is why she was at the well in the first place, went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And in verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony and he stayed there for an extra two days. What would it look like if we were all discipling people and we went into the community and we said, you know what, I used to have this rear vision mirror, now I've got a windscreen, now I've got a windscreen, you should come and meet Jesus, you should come, you should come to our church, you should come to our connect groups, you should come. What would it look like if the presence of God saw that and was attracted to that and stayed here and lingered here? What could that be? That would be revival, wouldn't it? Isn't that what happened in the days of revival? We talk about it. Who are you sending yourself to? Who are you praying for every day? God, help me disciple this one or that one. Who are your people? Who is in your community? I want to bring up an interesting point out of this chapter and it alludes to what Aaron said again. In verse 7, it's interesting. Jesus is going to see this woman who um, society didn't really agree with because of her morals and all sorts of things. Jesus in verse 7 says to his disciples, he says, boys, go to town and get me some food. He sends them off to town. They were on a job by, by Jesus. They were doing a job. And it's interesting. In verse 27, they come back. And Jesus is engaged in this empowering conversation with this woman. And he's having this gorgeous conversation. And she's starting to feel so good about herself. This is the woman who was there because she was alone, because no one else... Everyone else was judging her. And Jesus made her feel so special. He saw her. He used her story. He empowered her. What did the disciples do when they came back from their mission? Absolutely nothing. They did not talk to her. They did not ask a question. Verse 27 actually says something to that effect. If I had my glasses on, I'd read it. But they didn't ask her any questions. This is a woman who was used to judgment. 
And, and you know, it says in verse 28, she leaves her jar and goes back to town. I wonder if she left it because she felt uncomfortable around the disciples. She was feeling really good around Jesus because Jesus was looking at her. Then what do the disciples do after she goes to town and says, hey, everyone, look, I had this rear vision mirror, but I got a windscreen and I'm really happy. Come and meet Jesus. Then the whole town's coming to meet Jesus. What do the disciples do? Go back to their roster. Hey, Jesus, you told us to get the food. Rabbi, you should eat something. In verse 31, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. It was all about the roster. It was all about the job. It was all about the programs. Who's on roster? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? That's not what church is about. Church is about seeing people. It's about allowing God to use people to bless their families, empowering them to bless his church, and then sending them into the community. Let's not be like the disciples in that chapter. They did lots of good in other chapters, but they were too caught up in, I'm this title and I'm that title and God sent us to, Jesus sent us to do the food roster and here we are, are you going to eat? Look at all the food. We went to Mad Provador. Look at all these beautiful cheeses, Jesus. Are you going to eat them? Jesus didn't care about the cheese. He cared about the woman. Church, where are we? Who's on your list? I've got five on mine. Who are you discipling? Jesus' last command was go and make disciples of every nation. I can't make disciples of your nation and you can't make disciples in my world. Who are you praying for every, every day? Who's on your list? Who are you talking to? Who are you saying, God, give me strategic conversations for? And if you don't, please get a fire in your belly to do that. Because it's not up to Graham and Simon, it's up to us. It's up to us. So tonight, as the band comes up, I got through it without a slide. Are you not happy for me? (laughs) Um, I want to tell you, Jesus sees you. He sees you. But you've got to reach out to him. Jesus wants to use you. Firstly, for your family. And no matter how bad your family situation is, no matter how far you've strayed, Jesus is saying, we can do it. I can save your family. I can save them. We can restore joy and peace into your household. Nothing is, is impossible for Jesus. Would you get a faith back to pray for your family? Because <laughs> our windscreen's bigger than our rear vision mirror doesn't matter how big your butt is either but I've got this I've fallen again I've done this that's all in your rear vision mirror Aaron said it before God forgives you whoever's online God forgives you and then he uses you for your family he he wants to empower you for the church that you belong to you've got to get planted in the house of God Let's not be consumer Christians and just come to church and do nothing and then go home. Let's say, Graham, Simon, how can I bless the house of God? Or be like those people in our church who say, I want to be here. Can you help me on that journey? We'll do it with you. We'll help you through it. And God wants to send you. We are not here for us. We are here to go and save a broken world. I would love for us 
to have, you know, be discipling so many people and say to people, you know, this is who I was. I was this rear vision mirror. But now I'm a windscreen. I'm a windscreen. I have a future and a hope in Jesus. You know, wouldn't it be so good that if we brought people in like that, that the presence of God would just linger and people's lives would be changed because the presence of God is here. Let's get a fire in our belly. Would you stand with me? Father God, I want to thank you that you see us in whatever situation that we're in, that that you see us, that you want to use us, that you empower us and you want to send us. Lord God, for those of us who are broken, I pray right now you give them the courage to reach out and touch the hem of your garment. For those of us who say, I can't do it, I've let you down again and again and again, would you give us the reassurance that you will use us? that your windscreen, your future for us is brighter than our past. Yes, our past is there, but our future is so much brighter. Help us to drive through our, by looking through our windscreen, not our rear vision mirror. Lord, for those of us who are saying, I don't know where I fit in the church, would you empower us and give us the courage to say, Graham, Simon, help me on this journey. I, I, I want to connect in. And Lord, would you give us a fire in our belly, not only to pray for our families, but to pray for for people to look actively for those who we can disciple. Because there's a community that needs you and we would love for your presence to just be so attracted to that, that it just lingers here. Ask it in Jesus' name.